0: Good morning, morning. happy Father's Day, fathers, good to see you, if you have a Bible I want to invite you to uh, turn to Matthew chapter 6, Matthew 6, first book of the New Testament, 6th chapter. Now last time we concluded our look at the Lord's Prayer as we've been journeying here through the Sermon on the Mount, that model prayer that Jesus gave us uh, as a paradigm, as a pattern for how we come, how we approach God in prayer. So we we wrapped that up last time, but there is one piece of unfinished business that I want to talk about today. And that's because right after Jesus gives us this model prayer, he says something very startling, very shocking, which is really nothing new. I mean, Jesus has been saying these kinds of things all through the whole Sermon on the Mount. Um, In fact, that's why I entitled the series, he said, what? What? Because Jesus keeps saying things that are so contrary to our natural human way of thinking. Although, sometimes we don't always appreciate that. You know, if, if you've been hanging around the Bible for a while, hanging around church for a while, you kind of get used to hearing Jesus say these shocking things. Um, and we, we get used to hearing them, and so they don't, sometimes we don't really feel how shocking they are. So I want you to look carefully at what he says here in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. Okay, so he's just concluded giving us the Lord's Prayer. And then he says this, look at it carefully, let it sink in. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus here is elaborating on something he just told us to pray for. Back in verse 12, he said that we should pray, Father, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, it's not shocking that Jesus would tell us to ask God for forgiveness because we need that. We need forgiveness. We are sinners. We fall short of God's perfect standard of righteousness. And if He doesn't forgive us, we're lost. We have no hope. We we have no hope of ever entering his kingdom. In fact, Jesus said as much back in Matthew 5, verse 20. He said, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you have to realize, to the people who were listening to him, those were the most righteous people they knew. If your righteousness isn't better than theirs, if it doesn't exceed theirs, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So it's not shocking that we need to ask God to forgive us. What is shocking is how Jesus connects us forgiving others with God forgiving us. Now, I think many people, well, especially people who are church going people, Know that the Bible teaches us that we should be forgiving, that we should forgive others. You know, many people have heard that line from the Lord's Prayer I just quoted uh, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. That, that's a familiar thought to many. And I think most of us like the idea of forgiveness, you know, people forgiving other people, especially when it's other people forgiving us, you know. That feels great. When, you have done, <laughs> when you've done something stupid or hurtful, you know, to have somebody forgive you, let you off the hook, that feels good. But how does it feel when we're the ones who need to forgive somebody else something stupid or hurtful that they've done? How's that feel? Not so great. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He once said, Everybody says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. (laughs) Is it important? Is it really that important? I ask that because, you know, the Bible teaches a lot of things. And everything the Bible teaches is important, but not everything is equally important. Okay, now, some of you are scowling at me, and before you call me a heretic, let me explain what I mean here. What I mean is it's possible to be wrong about some things and still be right with God, to still uh, be a genuine Christian, a genuine believer in Jesus who trusts him, who loves him, who follows him, to have a relationship with Christ that's genuine and growing. Let me give you an example. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, The Apostle Paul teaches us about something that we call the rapture. And this is this future event that is going to happen when Jesus does what he promised and come again. And it says there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that Christians who are alive at that time, when that happens, will be caught up in the air to meet with, the Lord and with Christians who have already died. And that catching up, that's that's where we get this term rapture. It comes from a word meaning to snatch up. So the Bible teaches that, that this is going to happen. Now, when is it going to happen? Ah, now things get interesting. Is it going to happen before this Terrible period of judgment that the Bible talks about, what we call the Great Tribulation. Is it going to happen before that, so a pre-tribulation rapture? Or is it going to happen at the end of the tribulation, a post-tribulation rapture? Or is it going to happen somewhere in the middle, a mid-tribulation rapture? Well, here's where you have godly people who love Jesus, who study his word carefully, who seek to follow him, who disagree. And here's the thing, somebody's wrong. Somebody's wrong. It can't happen at the beginning and at the end and in the middle. It's, it, somebody's wrong. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that. But the consequences of being wrong about the rapture and its timing aren't nearly as serious as being wrong about some other things, like who Jesus is, like what makes a person right, With God. Everything the Bible teaches is important, but not everything is equally important. Okay, so what about this teaching that we are to forgive others? The Bible teaches we should do that, but how important is it? How motivated should you feel to forgive others? How seriously do we need to take this? Look once again at what Jesus says For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. That's serious. That is a breathtaking connection Jesus makes between us forgiving others and God forgiving us. Now, if this was the only place in the Bible where that connection was made, you know, I, I suppose we might think, well, maybe we we're just misunderstanding Jesus. I mean, he didn't really mean that. But this isn't the only place. In fact, later in this very same book of Matthew, Jesus makes the same point and he makes it even more strongly. So I really want to take some time to think to look at this with you and think it through because we need to understand this. If you want to be certain that God has forgiven you of your sins and I can't think of anything more important than that. Because if you're not forgiven, you're not in the kingdom. If you're not forgiven, you're not going to experience eternal joy in the presence of God. If you want to be certain that God has forgiven you, then we've got to understand this connection between us forgiving others and God forgiving us. So I want you to look with me that we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18 verses 21 through 35, and if you haven't seen it yet, there is a note sheet in your folder with the various scriptures on it. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus has been talking to his followers about what we are to do when other Christians sin against us, what what, what we should do in that situation. And that leads Peter, typically, to ask a question. Verse 21. Then Peter came up, to, uh, came, came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Peter thinks he's being generous here because the rabbis of that day taught three times. So Peter figures, oh, double it, add one, we're good. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, some translations say 77 times. Okay, the point is not to put a number on it. Jesus' point is, forgive as often as necessary. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven. Okay, now look, he's going to talk about the kingdom again. That's what he's doing in the Sermon on the Mount. This is all about being a part of God's kingdom acknowledging him as king living as a citizen of his kingdom therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants when he began to settle one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents this is astronomical this is just this is so far out there you would get the idea today if somebody said you owed him a billion dollars or a trillion dollars. You just can't even wrap your head around how big this number is. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Which is ridiculous, but that's what he said. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii. Now, this would be like a few hundred bucks. See, it's significant, but it's nothing compared to the other debt, and that's the point. The point of the contrast is how huge our debt is to God, the king, and how much smaller our debts are to one another. That's the point of the comparison. And seizing him began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. Sounds familiar? He refused. Note that word. Refused. And went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy unto you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. Conclusion. Point. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Does it matter if we forgive others? It sure does. And this story explains why. Why it matters if we forgive others. Here's one reason. Because Jesus sets the standard for his people and he has forgiven much. Jesus sets the standard for his people, and he has forgiven much. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means to be a follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus, one who trusts him and obeys him. If Jesus has walked the path of forgiveness, he's telling us to walk that path also. Now in the story the king sets the standard. And what does he say to the servant? He says, you should have done what I did. He sets the standard for the servants. In the same way, Jesus sets the standard for everyone who belongs to him. And this is made explicit in verses like Ephesians 4.32. Look at it. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. You forgive as God forgave you in Christ. So the way God forgives us in Jesus is the way we're supposed to forgive others. What does that mean? Well, let's think about it. What is God's forgiveness like? Well, in the first place, it's not pretending. I think that's really important to grasp. Forgiveness does not mean pretending that things are okay when they're not. All right? That's not what God does. God never trivializes sin and says, hey, hey, no big deal, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's sin, okay, it doesn't matter, trivial. trivial. No, sin is a big deal. Sin is a big deal. God takes sin very seriously. We're to take sin very seriously. In fact, Jesus says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. Scripture teaches this responsibility of mutual confrontation in love because sin destroys, sin damages, sin hurts. Sin is a big deal. God's forgiveness does not pretend that things are okay when they're not, and our forgiveness should not either. Second, God's forgiveness is not unfair. This is one of our biggest problems with forgiveness, is it feels unfair. Somebody... Has done you wrong, and you feel like you're being asked to let them just get away with it, and that's just not fair. But is that actually how it is? Not really. We're right to think that a price must be paid, but we're wrong if we think that the guilty party is always the one who has to pay the price. That's not how God's forgiveness works. It is true that every sin must be paid for. You know, God would be unjust. God would be unjust if he did not require punishment for every sin. You know, sometimes people will say something like, well, I I can't believe a loving God would send anybody to hell. But the other question to say is, well, but could a just God allow guilty sinners into heaven? God is both loving and just. And the answer to God's love and God's justice is the cross. Every sin will be accounted for in one of two ways. It will either be accounted for on the cross of Jesus Christ or in hell. It will either be, God's justice will be satisfied either through his wrath poured out on his own son on the cross or it will be poured out in future judgment on unrepentant sinners. Every sin gets accounted for, every single one. Nobody gets away with anything. We, then, are free to forgive because God will settle all accounts. Third, God's forgiveness is costly. It's free to us, but it costs God a great deal. It costs God the life of his son to offer forgiveness to us. And if we offer forgiveness to others, it's going to cost us something. You know, might be that revenge, you know, a sweet taste of revenge. Or or maybe just that feeling of power, you know, that we can have, that, that feeling of control when somebody owes us big time and, you know, we can... We can use that to get them to do what we want. Now, forgiveness means giving up whatever rights we're entitled to as a debt holder. It's costly. And then fourth, God's forgiveness is complete. When he forgives, he forgives completely, which means he never, ever, ever uses our sin against us, ever. That's what it means, okay? Uh, Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west. How far is that? Let your mind just roll with that for a minute. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. It's gone. Gone. This is the glory of the gospel. The good news. It's all gone. Yes. Yes. So we fall short of God's example if we claim to forgive something, but we secretly keep it stored up to use later as ammunition. When we forgive, we're to forgive completely. Now, yeah, that's easier said than done. And this is where we have to think clearly, okay? Because that does not mean there are never any consequences uh, when people violate our trust, okay? Yeah, I understand Forgiveness means we don't use sin against people. We don't hurt them back. We give up the right to hurt them back. Okay, but when trust has been destroyed, it takes time to rebuild. And it's not using that against somebody to be honest about, I'm just struggling to trust at this point. I've I've got to, that's got to be relearned, regained. I think forgiveness means we give people the opportunity to regain trust. But it doesn't just automatically restore it. But it does mean canceling the debt, giving up the right to hurt someone back. And the point is, if we have put our trust in Jesus, he has released us from a debt that was astronomical. We just don't even know how massive our sin really is. We we live in a culture that trivializes sin because we have no concept of the holiness, the righteousness, the goodness of God. We just don't see how offensive sin is. Our debt is astronomical that God releases us from in Christ. Jesus sets the standard for his people, and he has forgiven much. That's one reason why it matters if we forgive others, because we're representing Jesus to the world if we trust him, if we belong to him. But here's the other reason. Because our hearts reveal the genuineness of our faith. Our hearts reveal the genuineness of our faith, and an unforgiving heart is an unforgiven heart. Our hearts reveal the genuineness of our faith. What I mean is, And the Bible makes this abundantly clear not all expressions of faith are genuine. And one of the ways a genuine faith expresses itself is in forgiving. And if there's no forgiving, it hasn't been forgiven. So here's where we make this connection between us forgiving others. And God forgiving us. I hope when I read verse 35 earlier, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I hope when you heard that, it bothered you. Because it's supposed to bother us. If we believe that being right with God, being forgiven... Being included in his wonderful salvation, if we believe that's a free gift, and we do, I mean, we teach that, preach that all the time. That's what the Bible teaches. Being right with God is a gift. If we believe that, then we ought to be bothered, disturbed about verses which say God will not forgive us unless we forgive others. And don't make a mistake here, that is what it says, it's very clear. So does Matthew 6, 14 and 15, which is where we started. This is scary stuff. But you know, it's not that unusual for people to skip over verses like this and to say something like, well, this can't be talking about me because because, uh, my salvation is a free gift. So even if I don't forgive others, I'm still okay. You know what that is? That's a false view of salvation. That's a false view of salvation. If we think we can disregard this warning because we're saved by faith in Jesus alone, then our understanding of what it means to be saved by faith in Jesus alone is wrong. Let me say that again. If we think that we can disregard this warning because we're saved by faith in Jesus alone, then our understanding of what it means to be saved by faith in Jesus alone is wrong. Now, hang with me here. I want to speak very carefully because I do not want to give any person the notion that salvation can be earned. Okay? It can't. There is no way you or I can become right with God, earn His forgiveness by doing anything. Not by forgiving people, not by going to church, not by memorizing Scripture, not by how many prayers we pray, not by any ritual, not by anything we can do. Not one single thing. Jesus paid it all. All. And we receive his forgiveness by trusting in him alone. Well, okay. Then how can it say that if we don't forgive others, we won't be forgiven? Here's how it can say that. The same faith that makes us right with God will lead us to be obedient to God. The same faith that makes us right with God will lead us to be obedient to God. Now, not all at once in every possible way without any flaws, not without ups and downs, but real faith moves us in the direction of greater obedience. Let me say it another way. The Bible teaches we're saved by grace, grace, gift, the grace of God through faith in Jesus. Well, the same grace that enables us to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of sin enables us to trust him for the fighting of sin. And if there's no fight, there's no faith. One more time. Here's another way. Forgiveness, in other words, us forgiving other people, that is not the root of salvation not the root the root of salvation is faith in jesus christ plus nothing faith in jesus but forgiving others is a fruit of salvation one of many and the point is if there's no fruit there's no root so when it comes to us forgiving others the warning here should motivate us to examine our hearts In fact, verse 35 says, you must forgive your brother from your heart because an unforgiving heart is an unforgiven heart. A heart that will not forgive. A heart that flat out refuses to forgive. That's why I told you to note that word, refuse. A heart that refuses to forgive That heart has not been changed by the grace of God. That heart has not been born again. That heart has not been forgiven. That heart is on its way to hell. You can't claim to believe in Jesus and at the very same time say, I don't have to forgive that person. I don't have to forgive my spouse. I don't have to forgive my child. I don't have to forgive my parent. I don't have to forgive my so-called friend or my worst enemy because even if it's a sin, Jesus will forgive me. No. No. Jesus doesn't forgive those who refuse to trust him. Don't think you're okay just because at some point in your life you might have prayed a certain prayer or you, know, you, might have, uh, you might agree with the truth in your head. That's not the issue. The issue is this. Do you trust Jesus? How do you know? Do you want to obey him? Even if sometimes you don't want to obey him. A paradox. Yeah, in other words, do you want to trust him even at times when you don't really like what he's telling you to do? And I want to just make this very clear. The Bible never says forgiveness is easy. It doesn't say, oh, if you believe in Jesus, oh, yeah, sure, great, happy to forgive. The Bible never says that a person with genuine faith will never struggle to forgive. It may be the hardest thing you ever do to forgive somebody who has hurt you badly. And there are some bad hurts out there. It may be the hardest thing you ever do, but there is a huge difference. It's the difference between heaven and hell, between a heart that struggles to forgive and a heart that refuses to forgive. That's massively different. The issue is this, are we willing to rely on Jesus to do what feels impossible? When forgiveness is hard, harder than we think we can even stand. We have to ask Jesus, we have to come to him and ask him to strengthen our hearts with this truth that he will never let us be destroyed by giving up the right to hurt somebody back. that when we let someone off the hook because of him, because we trust him, not because we feel so warm and fuzzy toward this person, but because we trust him, we let that person off the hook, Jesus promises he will make it worth it. That's faith. There is no ultimate sacrifice in obeying Jesus. I know it feels like it at times, Doing what Jesus wants feels like a big sacrifice, but ultimately there is no ultimate sacrifice because he's going to so overwhelmingly compensate for every act of faith, every act of obedience because of faith, that there will be no ultimate sacrifice. And it is those who fight to believe that. It is those who struggle to trust him. It is those who refuse to abandon themselves to bitterness, who refuse to run away in isolation. Those who refuse to pursue revenge, it is those who can be sure that their hearts have been forgiven, that they have been changed by the undeserved grace of God. Sometimes I have people come to me. This happens not that infrequently, and they'll say, oh, how do I even know? I really believe in Jesus. How do I know? Because I just feel, I just, you know, all these things he asked me to do, I just struggle so much. It's just so hard to do And I'm like, you know what? People who don't believe in Jesus, don't do that. People whose hearts have not been transformed by the Holy Spirit don't give a rip about what Jesus says about anything. It's those who struggle to believe and struggle to do what he says, those are the ones whose hearts have been changed by the grace of God. Do you want to be forgiving? Okay, don't answer that yet. (laughs) Do you want to? It seems to me there are three different ways a person in whose heart the Holy Spirit is at work, could answer that question by faith. Here's one. I do want to forgive. I do want to forgive. Lord, help me do that. Bring people to mind. Help me to do what I can to really forgive them. That's a that's response of faith. Here's another one. Lord, I don't want to forgive. But I want to want to. I want to want to, so God change my heart. So I want to. Here's another one. Here's the third. Lord, I don't want to forgive. And I don't even want to. I don't even want to want to. But I'm sorry I don't. I'm sorry my heart is so cold, so dead. God, make it alive. Make my heart responsive to you. Make, make me alive to do your will, even forgiving someone I don't want to forgive. God will do a work if we come to him in sincere faith. So if you have an unforgiving heart, I want you to know forgiveness can be yours today. Forgiveness can be yours The gracious power of God to transform your heart can be yours today if you will humble yourself and come to him in absolute dependence on him, cling to Jesus as your one and only hope, and be willing to follow him wherever he leads you, even down the path of forgiving someone you don't want to forgive. If you've never really embraced Christ as your Lord, who died in your place to pay your debt, and if today you realize your heart really has never been changed by the grace of God, because it's not about how many times you came to church, it's not how many verses you memorized, it's not how faithful you are in attendance, it's genuinely trusting Jesus and Jesus alone to make you right with God. You've got no merit with Him. His merit is the only merit that counts. If you want to receive God's free gift of life so that you can know and experience his beauty, his power to transform you, you can do that today. I'm going to pray here in just a minute. And I, I, w- I would hope that everybody in this room will pray this prayer with me. You just pray silently along with me, affirm what I'm saying Now, if you already belong to Christ, this prayer will will confirm that. It'll just be you saying yes. But if you do not yet belong to Christ and you want to, this can be the moment where God makes your heart alive to him. This can be the moment of your spiritual birth. Don't underestimate the significance of this moment. Everybody who comes to Christ comes at a moment when they realize they need him. And they cry out to him in faith and ask him to save them and give them life. It all starts the same way. So I'm just going to invite you to pray along with me if you want to. Let's bow. And I'll just pray and if you Agree with what I'm saying, then you just pray it with me, silently along with me. Father in heaven, your word tells me you want to forgive me. And I want to believe that today. I admit my sin. I know I deserve to be condemned for disregarding you, for not loving people, for not trusting you, for not honoring you as God, for trying to be my own God. But I choose now to believe in Jesus that as your son, he died to take my sin and the punishment that I deserve so that I could know you, so I could walk in newness of life. I take him now as my only hope. I acknowledge him to be my living Lord who died and rose again. Thank you, Father, for your forgiveness. Give me a heart that longs to forgive others. Help me trust you enough to release those who have injured me. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.